Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the X's and O podcast. You know me, my name is Sam Fitzpatrick, the Triple Threat Coach. Today's topic is the BLM movement and the importance it holds in basketball, what ourselves as coaches and as club members can do to appreciate this message and to better help our uh, ethnic minority members feel more appreciated and represented within the sport and within our clubs. Owen cannot join us today due to a local lockdown here in Preston, so I'm instead joined by a very knowledgeable guest, Isaac Litchmore. I've known Isaac a long time now. Uh, We first met at our local club through playing basketball. I coached Isaac many years ago as a junior player, and it's really fantastic to see him go on and become so successful and be preaching this BLM movement and educating others, uh, which he has done so for myself most recently and hopefully for you guys listening. Um, so please, you know, listen, club members listen, coaches listen and learn and educate yourself on this issue and what it means for ourselves within our sport. Enjoy. So thank you for tuning in. Um, let me introduce our guest for today, Isaac Litchmore. I've known Isaac a long time now. He came to our club at 14, 15? Yeah, yeah. A long time ago. Um, you know, and he, he progressed through our junior system. Went away to university in Leeds, um, and it's it's really nice to see as a coach. I've alluded to it before, you know, seeing your ex-players move on to do bigger and better things. Now, I have no issues in admitting that Isaac is absolutely the expert on this, and I've leaned, <laughs> I've leaned on him myself to educate myself over the past couple of weeks. So, welcome, Isaac. Thank you very much for having me. Of course, and you know, hopefully, we can we can educate more through through this podcast. Um, yeah, I love that. If I start us off with essentially. I've written this in the blog. So what is the Black Lives Matters movement? Um, obviously, I've written this. This started in, in 2013 off the back of the, you know, the tragic death of Trayvon Martin, who was a young black man who was traveling home from the supermarket, essentially, um, to be shot. Uh, the, the most tragic thing of all of this is that his shooter is free and remains to be free, was not arrested. You know, this movement gathered more momentum with Eric Garner. A lot of people remember his name and the I Can't Breathe t-shirts of NBA players in support of him. Uh, a young man who was essentially died of asphyxiation from a chokehold um, from a police officer. And, and most recently, over the last couple of weeks and months, obviously the massive news of George Floyd and then the harrowing footage of that where he was restrained by police officers with a knee to his neck, which ultimately ended in, in the death of him. Um the messages that have been apparent from day one of this movement and, you know, anyone with half a brain who's, who's Googled it and really researched it will know that it's about equality. It's about everybody yeah. being appreciated. It's about, obviously off the back of it is the, the big outrage of the disproportionate number of deaths in police custody of black men, but it goes a lot deeper than that. So Isaac, as a black man yourself and as someone who's educated me a lot on this, this yeah. issue over the last couple of weeks, what does that mean for you personally? Um, I think you touched on it and you alluded to it in the sense of equality. And I think recently there's been a real misconstrued uh, idea of what the Black Lives Matter movement is. Mm-hmm. Um, black people and people of colour, however you want to describe them, are not asking for more. We're not asking for an additional boost. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just want the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it goes it goes on. It, we see it with the the deaths of and and the lack of justice, mm-hmm. but it goes a lot deeper than that. It goes all the way down to um, housing, mm-hmm. to opportunities, to 
being tr- treated fairly in that sense as well. I think it, it's it's more than just what it's more than just the surface. I think and I think that's the interesting thing is there's been a lot of like that's like that's been opened up now to the public's eye as well. Mm. This has been going on for a long time. It's been going on way before uh, Eric Gardner. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's been way way before Trayvon Martin. It's just now, and thankfully with social media and everything, now that we can bring certain things to light. Mm. But what's been interesting is that it's it's almost it's it's revealed people's hands, and it's it's turned into a political debate of well, all lives matter. Mm. Well, nobody's denying that all lives matter. Mm. Of course, all lives matter. It's just Black Lives Matter too. Black mm. Lives Matter as well. Uh, and it's just been nice. It's nice now to see that other people, like the public, is starting to see it more. It's just a shame that it's turned into an all lives matter versus black lives matter debate. Mm. It's not, it shouldn't be a debate. If if all lives matter, then black lives matter. Mm. It's, it's that simple. Absolutely, and at the risk of sounding too political, those very same people who were barking up the All Lives Matter tree are the same people who've had all the kickoff with the refugees in this country over the last <laughs> couple of weeks. But Very I'll, interesting, I, I was I, looking at it today. I won't go too deep, but, um, yeah. but you know, it's interesting that you say that, you talk about equality, and, and I, I kind of find myself in a really funny position where as long as I've played, I've had black friends, black teammates, you know, black coaches, yeah. and... It was almost like when it came out and, and you know, such words such as um, white privilege and things come out, it mm. felt like a bit of a personal attack because I was like, well, I have, you know, I've, had black, I've always stuck up for my black teammates. I've always had black yeah. coaches. I've always, and then yeah. actually, you know, actually through speaking to yourself and, and doing a bit of research myself and seeing all sorts from all over the country and all over the world on social media, it's like, actually, what that meant was I just wasn't racist it didn't necessarily mean I understood what was going on. It didn't necessarily yeah. mean that I was aware of yeah. of all these struggles that, that you know, yourself and, and other black people go through. Um, yeah. Which I guess was kind of where a lot of the the, the hurt and the, the personal attack came from because it was a realisation of, oh, actually, I'm really not educated in this at all and, and actually I don't know what I think I know. You know, yeah. me sticking but- up for someone's the tip of the iceberg, essentially. You know. Yeah, and the difficult part, I think a lot of people in our, there's a couple of things that, uh, that people in our country uh, struggle to understand, specifically white people, uh, is A, when I see, when me or people, black people that I know, when we see uh, Eric Garner, when we see, when, we, when I saw Eric Garner, I saw my dad. Mm. That's, who I, that's what I saw. Because I saw a black man of a, of a similar frame of building and that, and that's so that's my, that to me that could be my dad. Mm. When not Eric Gardner, when Trayvon Martin got shot, he was it's, it's oddly specific, oddly specific to me. But he was going to the shop to buy Skittles, mm-hmm. and they're my favorite sweets. And that rocked mm-hmm. my mum to the core because he all he was was a young boy who gone to the shop to buy Skittles and had his hood up in the rain. That could be me. Mm. So. What a lot of white people struggle to understand was, well, it's, it's it's happening in America. Why are people bothered about it over here? Well, we see us in that. That yeah. reflects us. So of course, so I think people people and equally also struggle to understand the racial injustice in this country. Mm. We are England, Britain. We are not innocent. You can talk to any. I I challenge you to go if you know any black person. 
ask them about a race a racist incident, I guarantee they've got at least one mm. that they've experienced in this country. Every single one of us. Mm. See, that's that's scary because I think I know myself before all, all of this and before educating myself was kind of like, well, surely a racist incident is just someone coming out and dropping an M word at you. That's racism, mm. or someone uh, physically abusing you because you're black. I didn't. I, it never occurred to me that it could be more than that. That's obviously the, the very extreme yeah. uh, level of it, which which everyone will will know and be aware of. But yeah. everything else behind that, and, and like you said, you're talking about housing. Like what, what? That never occurred to me in my life that housing would be an issue, or education would be an issue, yeah. or work, or. Yeah. Well, what's what's interesting is uh, I've, I've obviously I've had so many debates with people about this kind yeah. of stuff uh, over the past few months. But um, one thing that people are quick to say, uh, not everybody, certain people are quick to say, is um, well, why why are you concentrating on this? There's more important issues mm. in the black community. You know, there's black on black crime. There's black poverty. There's all these issues that we need to focus on it. They, I, don't, I don't particularly agree with the black on black crime statement. I think crime is crime. There's white on white crime. Mm. There's Asian on Asian crime. There's no need to put a race on it. It happens in every community across the country. Mm. Um, but in terms of like, and one thing that I like to touch on is generational wealth. People don't understand that when, in say the Windrush generation, when people came over to this country, they were denied access to housing um in order to generate generational wealth which meant they put some black people are in poverty stricken areas these things are things that happened in this country had didn't happen that long ago and were, were based around race mm. these are the conversations that we have to open up to people and be honest about so that people can understand where we're all coming from so we can begin to level out the playing field Again, yeah. not asking for more. Mm. See, just ask. Yeah, no, 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 please continue. It's, it's really interesting hearing, hearing you speak about it because, again, I was so, and I'm sure many others still are and, and, and were oblivious to so much of this. And, you know, it, I, I kind of, I could, we really, it's, it's quite, I can hear your passion. It's quite, it's nice to hear, actually. It's nice to hear someone so passionate about something that I'm interested in it. You know, and, and Thank you. I kind of don't want to steer it back towards basketball, really. But, uh, you know, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, let's, it's hard. Let's, yeah. But so, yeah, in terms of the sport, I mean, I, I wrote about it in the blog. And obviously, this is something that's been huge in the NBA most recently. Uh, they've done yeah. a really good job um, in terms of promoting the message and actively, you know, encouraging their players to protest in the first instance a couple of weeks ago and months ago. Um, obviously, they've now restarted due to the whole pandemic. But you know, Black Lives Matters across the court. The players, the players, obviously yeah. have a lot of social justice messages on the back of their jerseys, or were at least given the option to. Um, yeah. so obviously, they've kind of paved the way in terms of sportsmen and, and what they can do. And, and I broke down some numbers that people may not be aware of in terms of why is it relevant here? Because you, you made a point that people don't necessarily understand why it's an issue here. Never mind in the NBA. Yeah. It's all well and good saying, well, 75% of the NBA players are black. So, of course, they're going to you know, care about this issue. But then, mm. actually, if you break it down in this country here, Basketball England themselves state that 58% of their membership are from, from uh, you know, Bain backgrounds, black, Asian, minority, ethnic backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Now, 
that in itself is is huge. Now, it's not necessarily the case of the club that we we currently represent. It might not look like fifty eight percent, but the fact that yeah. as a country you're talking hundreds of thousands of members and ne- uh, not necessarily represented correctly or or to the best of basketball England's ability, it's it's scary. And, and w- when you go further into it, you know, not only is it apparent in in our sport, but actually Sport England yeah. has made this very, very clear in terms of, and you know, again, this, please correct me if I'm wrong, but this goes back to what you were saying before mm-hmm. about uh, social media and narratives and things like that and how a whole target area for Sport England is to increase the the, the take-up of sport in those that BAME community. Exactly. Um, whereas if you look at basketball, actually, we are the highest participated sport amongst black men, women and children. So to yeah. think that until all of this this happened and actually a lot of backlash from professional players on Basketball England for potentially not doing enough, only now have they really had a bit of a social media presence and really stepped up and done something about it. Yeah, and it's it's a shame that it has to take mm. something so, so uh, drastic and horrible mm. for there to be a change, but you know, often the biggest changes do come out of of drastic and horrible situations. Um, I, and my own my my only experience of racism in basketball, mm. as you know, uh, happened in Newcastle. I won't uh, mention the team mm. or where we were, but um, I a coach at the end of the game. We'd won the game. We were the underdogs in the game. We had no right to beat that <laughs> team, but we did, and. Um, the coach at the end of the game started screaming his players. I think this was in my first or second, in fact, first season. So I was 14 yeah, at the yeah. time. Uh, coach started screaming at his players in front of everybody, embarrassing them all. So I walked past and just subtly said, you know, just chill out. Like, we're only 14. We're a young lad. It's only a game of basketball. Just mm. relax. And he then, as I walked off, uh, said, oh, shut up, you inner city ghetto boy. Mm. And now at fourteen, my natural reaction is like I laughed at that because I, because it was just it was so ridiculous that a grown man would <laughs> say that about a fourteen year old lad. Um, and I told I went over to tell my dad, and my mum and dad were both there. And I told my dad, and my dad obviously didn't find it very yeah. funny. And um, and then it wasn't until about half an hour later when one of my teammates' older brothers went, "That's really racist," you know. And it was, wasn't until then that I'd put the two together that, hold on, he wouldn't call any of my other friends inner city mm, ghetto boys. Yeah. He wouldn't, he, he would only call me that as like one of the only black players on the team. Mm. So it happens over here. I mean, the club, when Pride, Preston Pride, the club that I, I'm a part of, handled it perfectly. Basketball England handled it perfectly. Uh, the, he gave, he got, he served a suspension. So I think. Basketball England and Sport England do handle it right. It's just they've never been overt about it. They've ne- the, su- the support's never been like how it is now, where it's so yeah. clear. Yeah. And I think that uh, I, I say it on every podcast, I'm always the first person to bash Basketball England, given half a chance. But actually, yeah. you know, it's, it's nice to hear that even though they've obviously now stepped up their social media presence and their website and they've added all sorts of media, yeah. it's nice to know that even well, we're talking years ago now, they were still willing yeah, to, yeah. to do the right thing, essentially. Um, 
and follow through yeah. with it, which is a, isn't always the case. Yeah. In terms of you know our sport, we spoke about that, and it kind of leads on nicely to what can be done by clubs and coaches. Uh, one thing we spoke about, and something that um, we acted on straight away, um, was an anti-racism policy. Now I know a lot of clubs will have that kind of tied into either a anti-bullying or a standard safeguarding policy. Um, but after speaking to yourself, it became really apparent that that needs to be a kind of a forefront and its own separate issue. Um, yeah. So obviously we did that straight off the bat. It's also going to make sure that that is um, a required read on sign-up, you know, similar to a T's and C's or something like that. And, yeah. You know, and really make sure that we're holding people accountable. Now, you, you mentioned it yourself before, the club, is, you've only dealt with it or had to deal with it once and the club did what they could to, to help in that situation. And I, I kind of pride myself as a head coach of the club and, and as a long-standing member that, that I can't remember many issues. If, in fact, that's probably the only issue I can ever remember. So it's reassuring to yeah. hear that, you know, the club dealt with it in the, the right way and that essentially some, some justice was served in that sense. We also spoke about kind of almost developing a new role on our committee, which you've very yeah. you know, graciously stepped into and I'm sure you'll do a fantastic job. And, and it's kind of a working title, but it's centred around, you know, with quality, inclusivity and kind of being a face for all players, you know, of, of colour within our, our club. Yeah. You know, we're noticing it now more and more at the junior section. We're having a lot more players of colour and we're really diverse in the junior section, which is brilliant to see as a coach. Definitely. You know, and having someone like yourself who's actually as horrendous as these experiences can be, someone who's been through it and, and could advise if, if, if needed be and someone to look up to and speak to, yeah. I think is, is unheralded. And I think that the kids will only get something out of that. Other stuff we spoke about was you know, obviously representation in terms of social media and things like that. You know, I've alluded to the fact that our club is really diverse, even through to the team you were playing in last year. There are all sorts of ethnicities, races, nationalities. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, you made the really good point that the website needs to reflect that and we should be celebrating that. Mm. Whereas it, it didn't necessarily do so before. And it's also, it's when we had this conversation on the phone a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, again, I said it before about um, the whole white privilege and things like that. It was kind of hard to hear, thinking, "Oh God, have I inadvertently done something that's just not the best for everybody?" Like, you know, yeah. I myself have, have coached at the club for years. I, you know, most of my work has been with um, children. Um, my paid work has all been, bar this year, has all been in special educational needs. I set up the women. I've done everything I can to be diverse and by, be inclusive. And to hear that something we've done wasn't was kind of like a a kick in the teeth and it was almost a subcon something yeah. I, I and and my colleagues in the committee had done subconsciously without even thinking about it. So, you know, uh, if that's the kind of conversation we can have that can, me who thinks he's doing a, a perfect job can, you know, make changes. I'm really yeah. hoping that off the back of this, more clubs and more players and more coaches will do the same. A hundred percent. I think it's, just to mm. quickly interrupt, I think it's important to mention that, you know, nobody's saying that you know, white people are like the temples are horrendous. Or you know, like I've had so many, and I know, I, I know the black people that I know, including my family, have had so many positive experiences in this country being black or being um, somebody of a different different ethnicity. And you know, what the Black Lives Matter, what I'm, I'm cautious of is that it turns into, oh well white people have done mm. this, white people have done that. It's not all bad. Like, it's it's really not. 
there's been a lot of positive experiences in, in this country. But it is also important to have uncomfortable conversations yeah. that question that make individuals question a lot of things and it's also important to be it's not enough not being racist you have to be anti-racist it's not enough to be like well i'm not racist so that's okay you have to be anti you have to be against racism overtly yeah no uh, that's something that I kind of spoke about it again. I completely get that. I was always in that boat of, well, yeah. no, I'm not racist. No, I know that's wrong. But, you know, it's, it's having yeah. an understanding. And so, uh, say, you know, you're, you're going to come into our club again, come when the doors are, re- well, allowed to reopen after this pandemic. And, yep. you know, we, we've spoken, you've had a direct hand in all of these things that we're going to do to make sure that everyone feels appreciated and represented, you know, uh, within our club. So what what kind of yeah. importance does that have for for our community in terms of our players, in terms of our players of colour, you know, that we are actively acknowledging, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and its messages. And what can other clubs expect their members to feel and expect their members to, you know, how they can expect them to behave after knowing all of this and, and seeing the active change? Yeah. Well, I think um, for me personally, and I think what's important is you feel represented and that, um, me and my me and my dad have had numerous conversations about something called symbolism, and symbolism in its simplest of uh, forms is recognizing that somebody has recognized mm-hmm. you. Symbolism is it's like the analogy I'd use is if you went into a dentist and you go into a dentist and there are pictures of other ethnicities on the wall. There's other languages. There's mm-hmm. do you know what I mean it's it, you can see yourself in there and it's the same in clubs when you join a club you want to feel part of something what symbolism allows you to do is it allows people to be a part of the club if they are represented so by supporting the black lives matter that is symbolic for the black asian and other members of your Mm. club as they see that that your club recognizes you your club sees you as an individual and recognizes what you're going through on a daily basis and some of the struggles that you may or may not face. And I think that's quite important for clubs. If you want to, if you want to build that kind of environment, that family orientated environment, people need to be acknowledged. People need to feel like they're represented. People, people need to see themselves in this, in what the symbol of the club is. No, absolutely. You know, and, and I said this to you off the phone a couple of weeks ago that, it's quite ironic that we called ourselves a community basketball club and didn't necessarily, you know, represent the whole represent community. community. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. As crazy as that, you know, to, to us, a lot of the time, community was, well, everyone can come and have a go. Not knowing that we may yeah. subconsciously be driving people away from, you know, ethnic backgrounds, yeah. minority ethnic backgrounds because of something we're, we're, you know, overtly doing without knowing. So this is a, a kind of a, before we wrap up, that you know, we've had a question in, um, from someone who read the blog and this is something i've also questioned you on so it's going to be quite educational this part i'm sure um kind of terminology within the blm movement you know do's and don'ts because i know whenever we've spoken i've probably done it in this podcast without knowing you do find yourself if you are you know myself white white male kind of stumbling some words and because you know the last thing most people want to do is offend others of course of course then actually (laughs) potentially end up offending by stumbling around the words and you yeah. said 
yeah, yeah, by accident. Important to have these uncomfortable conversations, and you're absolutely right. And uh, yeah. when I came to you, you know, not long yeah. after, uh, obviously George Floyd's um, passing and the the protests and things. But it's yeah. Can you subtly offend someone whilst trying not to? I mean, that's <laughs> that's what I think everyone's conscious of. Isn't it? I mean, you can. It's it's possible, but I think if you educate yourself well enough and you do enough research and equally have conversations with the black people who you are if unintentionally uh, offending potentially mm. I'm not saying every single black person thinks the same so some there's some people that may be offended by it some people but it may not be uh, I'd allude it to uh, if you were and it's, it's an extreme but you know when you're talking to a, a trans person and you're, un, you're unsure whether to, what pronoun mm. to use it, the, the simplest way to get around that is to have the conversation. It's not an easy conversation to have, but have it. From my own experience, people of uh, people of colour, like uh, he, like that coloured lad there or that coloured girl, I would avoid that because yeah. yeah. we're not we're not green, <laughs> we're not blue, <laughs> we're black or we're Asian or do you yeah. I, mean? I, I, I would uh, uh, I would tend to avoid that personally. Mm. From me, I'm mixed race. Uh, I grew up uh, in a white uh, area. It was predominantly white. My school was predominantly white or Asian. Uh, I was known as the half-caste lad. On my football team, on a basketball team, uh, in my school year, I was known as the half-caste lad. Half-caste is uh, a really derogatory term. It relates back to the caste system in India. It implied... Back in in those times, that somebody was half a person, and uh, unfortunately, it just made its way into the everyday English vocabulary of, vocabulary of what a mixed race mm. person is. Uh, it's easier just to say mixed race. Uh, I'd, I'd probably avoid saying half caste. Uh, and then I think the most recent one, and you <laughs> you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, mm. was Bane. You know. Black and Asian. Yeah, no, just to, I'm sure people are aware of what it means, you know, black, um, Asian, minority yeah. ethnic. Now, that is a term used throughout so many official bodies, you know, from Sport yeah. England, they talk about funding. You're more likely to get funding if it's going to directly, you know, support BAME members or BAME players, BAME coaches. It's kind of a real, like, mm. buzzword to kind of, well, yeah. I mean, Without getting too deep, you kind of think of it so you can group people essentially um, that isn't white. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's that's my problem with it. Is it gives you it gives people a one one track term to use with everybody, and it's like, oh, well, there you go, it's okay, it covers all bases. <laughs> and in reality, you know, it, black even in, in the first black and Asian are two completely different yeah. communities, two completely different. Uh, struggles to complete even though there's a lot of similarities but they're two different mm. people so it, it it would even be better if you said black and asian just in this in those mm. words not yeah. pain if you wrote black and asian yes it might be a bit longer but it'd it be it, that'd be the simplest way to do it around for me and if you're if you're struggling with how to approach somebody who is pain and i hate using the word but it's the only way i can use it right now <laughs> Just ask them what they would prefer to be acknowledged yeah. as. Would you prefer to be acknowledged as... Because some people aren't bothered, mm. and that's completely their prerogative. If you're not bothered about it, that's mm. okay. If you, some, there's, I, know, I know tons of 
black people, Asian people, other ethnic minorities that aren't bothered about the term yeah. pain. So they might not, it might not affect them. But there's some people that might feel passionately yeah. about it. So it might yeah, you know, I, I alluded to it, you know, before we started, um, before we started recording, that you know, I've seen so many professional basketball players on social media discussing the term "bame," and and it, I think it's really hard when you know, like myself, not long ago, not really educated on it. So you turn to your official bodies, you turn to your basketball England, yeah. your sport England, your UK sport, UK culture, all these things, and when they're turning around using that terminology, only to find out that if you are labelled as that you don't necessarily appreciate that label. It's like kind of a, oh God, we're back to square one. How, how do I, how, how do I <laughs> yeah. discuss people and talk to people? What? Like... Yeah, but it's, it's, it's not, I wouldn't necessarily describe it as square hmm. one. I think, but it is, it is a, a step backwards, only a small hmm. one though, because it's so easily over, overturned. Yeah. It's so easily overcome. Oh, you have, you have, it's a five minute conversation. Yeah. That. So, in terms of the do's and don'ts of terminology, is there anything else that, that you know, because I think also myself, when I look back at my, my younger coaching days, I was always very reluctant to say, you know, I could have a room full of 12 kids in my team and there's one black lad and the rest are all white lads. I still even then would yep. find it really difficult to say to a new coach coming in, oh, this is so-and-so. Yeah, he's the uh, 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 black lad. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and <laughs> even yes. I don't know. I don't know if this is an issue everywhere. I don't know if it's just because up north and where we are situated in our club over the last couple of years, it, it's more diverse. But when I first started, it was a very white club. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that's just you know kind of my upbringing and the way I've been introduced to the sport. But I was so reluctant to use the term black when discussing a player. Yeah. Again, it's that overthinking and making sure you don't offend anybody <laughs> and really. Of course, you know, and it could be something so trivial, um, <clears throat> but yeah, it could be. I I am yet to, and I might. This might be my own ignorance. I am yet to meet anybody that is offended by somebody, a black person that is offended by somebody describing mm. them as black. Yeah, just uh, just uh, mm. now. If it was if it was black in a if it was said in a derogatory context, mm. then obviously it's very mm. different. But if somebody was purely describing another individual. If you were in a room, like you will use your analogy. If I'm in a room, if I'm a coach and I, I'm in a room and I've got a room full of white players and one black player, and somebody says, What, um, and I'm just describing him to somebody, yeah, my starting point guard is a black player, his name is this. I, I've, ne- I've never personally met people that would be offended yeah. by that, but again, if you, if, you're, if you feel uncomfortable, if you feel like you have to second question it, have the conversation. Yeah. Even if it's a younger player, because I guarantee that younger player will have their own understanding of what their ethnicity is, the situation mm-hmm. that they're in. Have the conversation with him or a carer or a parent if you feel that uncomfortable. Yeah. No, no, for sure. You know, and <clears throat> you know, if I have this advice six years ago, I'm a different coach now. But you know, it, it's yeah. you know, and essentially we're kind of kind of we're going to kind of wrap it up there, um, and you know, we could. Literally, and, and I have done. I've spoken to you for hours before this, but you know, you, you yeah. could talk on this forever. Um, you know, and you know, oh, I like yeah, to talk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, just me. not on defense, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. that was a good one. I think, no, but you, you know, like even um, without the, the basketball involved in it, just the issue of itself, and, and obviously, 
I only became, you know, uh, drawn to question you about it, particularly because I've seen you were so active on social media and, and little projects you had going on and things like that surrounding this. Um, mm. So it was, it was very apparent to me you were very passionate about it and knowledgeable, so obviously you were the one to come to. Um, so yeah. I hope... I hope I hope that people listening to this, you know, have a little more clarity on the on the issue. Maybe they've learned something about why it was more important. Maybe they've learned about as a club what could they do. Because I will I will end with this that I've been part of a committee in our local club for probably six, seven years now, probably since I came back from university. And yeah. Only when speaking to you did it kind of come apparent to me that the committee have always been white. And, you know, even yeah. looking at people who've come in and, you know, try to, you know, put the name forward for roles, haven't got it, but they've all been white. So on, on the one hand, I'm yeah. thinking, how can we be so oblivious to the issue? But then on the other hand, you know, I think, oh, well, because we wouldn't know any better. You know, it's like yeah. getting a bunch of Man United fans in a room and saying, all right, who's going to win the league? Who's the best team? Well, you're only ever going to come out with one outcome. You know, and of course. And so, obviously, a massive thank you on a personal level to you for kind of educating a lot of us on this issue. Oh, thank you for having me and giving me a platform to do so. Really oh, massively. So, last point to make: you know, basketball England have really stepped up recently for any guidance on on the BLM movement and to see what they've been doing. You'll go to their website; they have a whole section to it now, which is on the sub menu at the top, so you don't have to go searching for it. The biggest thing on there is how to report any issues you think you found um, to do with racism or along those lines. Um, really improved method of reporting it and hopefully acting on it as, as quick as possible. Just before we go, Isaac, anything you want to you wanna add? Um, yeah, I've got, uh, I've got a couple of projects uh, all intertwined with the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. movement on the way. Um, our Instagram is just Isaac, at Isaac Litchmore, L-I-T-C-H-M-O-R-E. Uh, and I've got a film coming with the Bolton Youth Harmony Project on its way. So keep an eye out for that. And also me and Loki Hoops, at Loki Hoops on Instagram, are planning our Black Lives Matter Invitational Tournament, which will be coming up very soon as well. So keep an eye out for that. Awesome. Cheers, Isaac. Thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you very much. It. Thanks for having no me, Sam.